Hello, Hello everyone. <laughs> I never know if I go first or if you go first. Um, if we talk, they'll figure it out. Yep. They have learned our voices. This is Kirky. This is Grace. And welcome to The Glow Up. Uh, today we are doing our mental health episode. So I think, what was it? Quarantine with us? The social distancing together? Mental health? Mental wellness? Yeah, so we're all stuck in the house. So you have time to listen to the show. You have time to go back and listen to the other episodes you have. I'm not judging you. I'm just giving you uh, some instructions there. Mm-hmm. Um, we always start the show off giving out diamonds. And today, I'm going to hop right into it. The verse that we are using is John 16, verse 33. And I believe I'm doing the NIV version today. And it says, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me... Ye might have peace in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Um, this verse sticks out to me specifically because, um, in this season of my life, um, me and God have kind of been dealing with um, how I can get upset about going through stuff or being shocked that I have to deal with certain things, especially like once you get your life together. It's like sometimes when you live in foul, not saying like. You know, your righteousness is worth anything or like you can do something to earn what God gives you. But it'd be like, dang, I'm not doing this. I stopped smoking. I stopped doing this. I'm not fornicating. I'm not doing nothing crazy. Like, why? Why am I having problems? And God will be like, I think it was one time where somebody was like, you know, God doesn't need a reason to test you. Like God can do whatever he wants. But I will always say, like, why am I having problems? Why should I have to deal with issues? And when I read this verse, um, in John chapter 16, it's Jesus talking to the disciples before he was going to be crucified, uh, before they were getting ready to take him away. Um, and he was just encouraging them um, to let them know, like, yeah, I'm going to be gone or whatever, but um, I want you to have hope when life gets hard, when time gets truck, uh, when time gets tough, that I have looked at your situation and I've already given you the victory. Um, in some translation, it says, be of good cheer. Um, And then when I look at where some translations, it says, take heart. And when I looked up, take heart, it would say like to be courageous or uh, to regain one's strength. Um, And that's very important to me because I had this illusion that, well, when I go through stuff and life gets hard, um, if I feel down or if I don't feel great about a situation, then I'm obviously doing it wrong or I'm not really representing Christ well. Um, But I feel like when God had in those translations where it says, take heart, like Jesus understands, like you're going to have low moments. You're not going to always feel strong and that's okay. Um, but it's important to remind yourself, even when you have those low days to pick yourself back up again, to focus on regrouping and saying, you know what? God saw the situation. He saw the outcome. He's he seen my struggle and how I'm going to come through. And I need to trust him because he's already overcome my situation. Um, And we really just want to encourage people in this season, you know, people's health is everywhere. Some people are just living in fear. Some people are scared. Um, I know people who've gotten laid off, people who are trying to figure out what they're going to do financially. Some people, because of their working situations, have been separated from their families. And it's just a lot of uncertainty. But take heart. Be of good cheer. No matter what you're dealing with, God already knows. He already knows the outcome, whether your breakthrough comes tomorrow or Five months from now, God is looking out for you. Yep. And I always think about like, 
you said that Jesus was speaking to the disciples. Man, I was thinking about just how much mental strength like Jesus had to have, knowing that he was going to be crucified and all of that, and still having to choose to go through it for us. So I think it gives me comfort to know that he went through it. He knew like what the outcome was and he beat the odds so he can give us confidence that we can beat any obstacle, any mental issue. So I'm telling you. And when it, when it comes to the point of strength in that same chapter, the example Jesus used, cause he talked in parables, he was like, um, he equated struggle to a woman giving birth. And he was like, uh, when a woman is in the middle of giving birth, it's like intense and it's like it, she's, you know, in pain and she's agony. But once that child comes, I've never had a child, thank God, because that's a lot of to push Listen. a human. Another conversation. Um, when you once the child gets there, they're saying like you feel that joy. You feel like, oh, my gosh, I created this life and you love the little object or the little human that you just made. <laughs> I'm wow. sorry, but that pushing that pushing really blows my mind right now. <laughs> not there um but uh it it that really stood out to me because a lot of times we say well you don't know what i'm dealing with you don't know how intense it is you don't know i got a bad report about my mom you don't know i got um this going on my finances you don't know how far behind my bills are Mm -hmm. but no matter how intense how serious your situation may be that very thing god wants you to take heart god wants you to have cheer not just it's going to be okay, but he wants you to find joy even in that situation because he knows he's going to bring you through. And that's it. Beautiful. Boom. Stay encouraged. Shine bright like a day, man. <laughs> Call me Rihanna. We put you on the show too. Okay. Moving forward, we have our icebreaker. And this is really just to, to share a story of the craziest amusement park or trip experience that we've had. <laughs> So did you want to go first? It's funny because you said amusement park and then you said trip. So at first I was thinking about amusement parks, but then I started Girl, thinking you got about amusement park. Trip. What trip? Oh, you forgot that we just went to the Bahamas before all this happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you want me to tell on you or not? But we can start with it. You can go to amusement park. No, you go first. Please. <laughs> I'll I say amusement park. <laughs> Whatever. Um, dun, 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 dun. So we have went to... Uh, this. Uh, Great Wild Adventures, Adventures. whatever. Adventures. We was on some sort of roller coaster. Now I don't do roller coasters. Is this um, the same? I think this is the same story. <laughs> so you tell it. <laughs> no, you tell. It. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we was on a roller coaster that we should not have been on. You know, um, just the truth. Were we sitting next to each other? Yeah. Okay. I was a little plush pal back in the day. I'm so And this ride was built. It was like one little stick. (laughs) And then this fat little part of the top. And so I don't know what they thought they was keeping my chest. (laughs) But I got two stomachs and all these thighs. Please help. Help me. So the ride was pretty high. And it was pretty fast. And I remember screaming. I remember the gentleman next to me laughing at us in the pictures of like, us on the ride yeah. like he literally everybody's screaming and he's watching he thought me. it was hilarious he's watching me scream hysterically <laughs> he thinks it's funnier than the ride <laughs> call the police <laughs> please <laughs> and so um i'll never forget like thinking i was cute on the trip and realizing when i got off and, you know my edges were gone <sighs> that my earrings had fell off during the ride wow and i had on so there's that wasn't obviously the story I was gonna say about your earrings <laughs> falling off on a ride. Gone. The craziest story, and y'all ride on these things. That's I'm with y'all. So the craziest uh, amusement park story I have was I think we all went for like prayer group 
with our church at mm-hmm. WPC. And we all got on the ride. And it was like a crazy ride. Like we were going in loops, going reverse, upside down. And when we came back from the ride, I could hear laughing in the back. <laughs> and I look behind me. And all I hear is one of our uh, friends, Jock, saying, just put it back on. Don't put it back on. No, don't put it back on. Don't put it back on. And it turns out one of our sisters in Christ, her wig had fallen off <laughs> in the middle of the ride. So she had to catch the wig in the air during the ride. Matrix. And she didn't know if she should have put it back on and take it off. And it was just so funny because even the ride conductors were laughing at us. Oh, the people waiting in line were laughing at us. Do your job. <laughs> so that was the craziest story. Like that girl really fell off, and she caught it. So, so I gotta tell you a Bahama story another day. So we're gonna move on. What's the Bahama story? Mind your business. So we're gonna move on uh, into our podcast. We want to introduce our special guest today. Um, when it comes to talking about mental health, we can all have the discussion but we think it's important to have informed discussions when we did the financial episode we brought in someone who you know studied that work and was teaching in that area um so we have brought in one of our friends today um miss Catherine ann young and she is uh going to you know introduce herself tell us a little bit about who she is hello <laughs> uh my name is Catherine ann young i was born and raised here in tallahassee florida I stayed here in Tallahassee, Florida to go to college. Um, I have my bachelor's from FAMU Go Rattlers in psychology. Um, I am a (laughs) mental health advocate, even though it is something that I study. Um, I'm a blogger. I'm a teacher. I'm a lover of all things Pinterest. (laughs) uh, That pretty much sums me up. Yes, yes. Um, so today we're just going to dive into a discussion about mental health. Um, but before we get into our questions, we wanted to ask you, um, what made you passionate about this? What made you want to blog and study this? Well, the studying of it all, if you were to ask my father, started a long time ago because my favorite word was why. Oh, So yes, anytime somebody said something, did something, asked something, my response was going to be, why? <laughs> so as you know, I matriculated through adolescence. Um, the questions of why put me in mental spaces that at that age, I was not prepared to really tackle. Um, I didn't I didn't realize that I was struggling with mental health as a kid until I was an adult. But now looking back, I probably started struggling around like middle school, like seventh grade, 12 years old. Um, so once I got to high school and I had an opportunity to actually take a psychology course, things started to make sense to me. So the feelings that I experienced, the thoughts that I was having, it was right there in a textbook. And I was like, oh, this isn't abnormal. This is (laughs) other people go through this kind of stuff. And then I realized there are professionals Mm -hmm. that actually help you with those kinds of things. And the concept of therapy really opened my eyes. And I went through a couple of other things in high school. Um, that led me to actually talking to a therapist and all of those kinds of things. So when it came time to make the decision, what am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. Naturally, I chose not psychology. (laughs) I started college as bio pre-med because I'm going to be a physician. I'm going to do surgery. That's what I'm going to do. I was highly academic. So I was like, of course, I'm going to spend my time doing the thing that's going to make me the most money. 
Okay. I got in bio and I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I had no passion for it. There are people out here, my best friend, she loves all things that she does great at it. I couldn't do it because I couldn't force myself to study it. So when I changed my majors to psychology, it just, it lit a fire. And I started meeting more people that were struggling with things that I had overcome or were struggling with things that I was still struggling with. Mm-hmm. And being able to help and literally watching like pain fall off of people wow. in front of me, that that really, you know, that pushes me to want to gain more, you know, education, certifications, licensure, things like that. But blogging about it has created like this community, you know, kind of people who get to ask questions that they may not feel comfortable asking, you know, a friend or family member, because I'm autonomous. You don't know me. I don't know you. You can tell me your whole life story. Who am I going to tell? I'm like a ball. <laughs> I ain't got nobody to tell. So it's that that's where it all got started. And that's, that's where it's going as well. I want to be the person I needed when I was 12. Wow. So that's, that's the vibe. I like that. That's the vibe. Okay. For your, so during like this whole quarantine and social distancing, um, do you think that it's harder or easier to like manage or handle your mental health during this whole debacle? Honestly, it depends. It depends on where you were before the quarantine started. Mm-hmm. If the success of your mental health was strictly based on your routine, quarantine is going to shake your world up. If, yeah. And that, that's where I was. I had gotten to a place where I had a very, you know, strict morning routine. I went to work. I did what I needed to do at work. I got off work. I went to the gym. I finished at the gym. I cooked, chilled, went to bed, did it all over again. I went to church on Wednesdays, went to church on Sundays. I had a very strict schedule. So not having a strict schedule and just having all this free time mm-hmm. allow for free thinking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for me as an individual, free thinking is not my friend. So for people who were already struggling with the day-to-day pressures of having to go to work and take care of kids or, you know, whatever your responsibilities are, I could imagine that initially the quarantine was probably a sigh of relief. Like you, you get a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. from the task, but I think it's, it's up to you, you know, to make this time work for you. I had to make a new routine because I just know that's how I work. So you have to do some introspection if you want to ensure that your mental health stays intact during this time, it is more than possible. It may just take new work. It, it, what you did two months ago is not going to work for this time because we're in completely different times. Yeah, Two months ago, you could scroll on Instagram endlessly and maybe not get depressed. But now you get on Instagram, the first thing you see is the death toll. Like that can, yeah. that can really mess you up. So you may have to take you know a break from social media or you know, go outside. I'm not an outdoors girl. <laughs> Me and the natural elements, we just don't have a healthy relationship. <laughs> but here recently, getting out of the house like and walking, like I'm totally being like a suburban like housewife right now. Yeah. I go and I walk around yeah. the neighborhood and look at the trees and, you know, have my AirPods in. It's very not me, but it's it's me right now in order to be able to navigate this, you know, weird pandemic time that we're in. Uh, you talked about having routine mm-hmm. um, and you've mentioned uh, your best friend earlier, even in our discussions outside of the show. Um, a lot of times when you're dealing with like stress or having certain thoughts, you'll have like a friend, a mentor, a counselor you can go to. Um, but with 
quarantine's happening now, you know, you can't really go all the places you need to go or it's it's not as easy to access people as it would have been before. Um, what recommendation do you have for people who may be in a state of, I probably should talk to somebody, I probably should connect to somebody, but I probably should stay home because they tell me I can't go out. Um, what suggestions do you offer for those type of people? Absolutely. Uh, well, stay safe. You know, social <laughs> distancing is not a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to protect yourself at all costs. If you are not currently, you know, in therapy, if you don't have a therapist that you can contact, um, most therapists that are on psychologytoday.com, if you just Google psych- psychologists or therapists in your area, if you email them, you can just ask them if they have virtual hours. Okay. That's what I'm currently doing with my therapist. So my my schedule for therapy has changed a little bit because we're not in an office, right. but she does have virtual hours where for just in particular to my office, they send you a link and you log. It's like FaceTime, basically. Mm-hmm. FaceTime with your therapist. Yeah. Um, and it's completely confidential. If Now, I have the benefit of having the opportunity to be by myself and do that. If you live with other people, you may need to be a little bit more strategic about when you're going to do virtual therapy. Right. If you're okay with other people being around, like that kind of thing. But there are for sure 100% therapists and counselors that are doing virtual hours during this time. Gotcha. Yep. So sometimes... Um, you may know you need to talk to people. You may reach out to them, but then there are days, and I I know I've had it myself, where you feel so low or so down, like you don't want to interact with anyone at all. And I've I've even had people share that, and they don't they don't necessarily know how to pull themselves out of that funk. Do you feel like there is a a routine or certain things you can set in place for if you have those days where you're like, I don't want to interact with people. I don't, I don't even want to be outside, close the blinds kind of days. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you encourage people to do when they see their mind going in that direction or they're in this type of places? Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it's, it's tough because everyone has a right to, you know, put barriers and boundaries in place for their mental space. However, there is a threshold in which darkness and loneliness takes over. Mm -hmm. So you never want to be so down where you're starting to shut out beneficial people. Now, if there's someone coming with negativity or they're triggering some kind of trauma for you, you are more than, you know, capable of closing that door. I do not suggest closing off the doors to people that are going to encourage you because that's what darkness wants you to do. Darkness Mm -hmm. wants you to stay dark and the only way to stay dark is to not turn the light on. Right. So shedding light sometimes is calling a friend. Sometimes it is, you know, going outside, even if you don't want to go outside. I think that to pull yourself out of a rut, you have to do something different from what you naturally want to do. And that's the mm. hard part. Your nature wants you to stay in that, like, sad place. I, I struggle with depression from the age of 16 to, like, 20, off and on. And I attempted suicide at the age of 16 years old. So to get out of that, you know, place of wanting to die and then it not working, well, it took years for me to get there, to actually have a will to live. But it took me doing things that I didn't normally do, which required me to really learn what I want to do. I had a problem with doing things that made me fit in with other groups or doing things that I thought I was supposed to do because of who my parents were or because I was going to college or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But when you find yourself in this cycle of 
I don't want to do this. I don't want to go here. I don't want to do that. You have to pinpoint, is this depression? Is this anxiety? Is this jealousy? Is this fear? And once you name it, then there are things you can do to overcome it. But if you're just stuck in a rut of darkness and you just stay there, if you don't name it, you can't, you can't overcome it. So I, I would say the first step is to name whatever the problem is. And then from there, there are different things that you can do to combat those specific things. But fear and depression are two totally different things. Right. So you have to take the time to figure out what it is that's bothering you. And sometimes that's painful, but it's it's necessary work. Going to the gym is painful, but you know, <laughs> yeah. summer body. I have to do it. Have to. Can't really. It's been a while since I've been back. But your waist keeps getting skinnier. Real attack. So it's not fair. I don't, I don't feel like you're saying like, encouraging it's unfair to encourage me. Like you're literally unfair. Whatever. I think it's your turn. <laughs> to ask the question. So, um, for the grieving process or being in an emotional state, is it possible to be in an emotional state or to whatever grieving process that you're in? Like, is it possible possible to be in it for too long? Ah, uh, I struggle. I struggle with answering that. You know. In a blanket, yes or no, it, okay. it's too long. Because I think the only thing that I can say takes too long or you're doing for too long is starting. Sometimes mm-hmm. people take too long to start grieving. And that's whether you're grieving a death, grieving the end of a relationship, a loss of a friendship, anything that you're grieving. I think the only thing that you can do for too long is waiting to start. Because naturally, once you start grieving something, you're going to go through the motions of it all. And especially when you're grieving the death of a loved one. Like last summer, my grandmother passed away and she had been sick for quite some time. But I was not expecting for her to decide to see Jesus on the specific day that she did. Um, And I was going out of the country four days after. So I was angry before I was in denial. And those are the you know seven steps of grief. You're supposed to be in denial first. No, I understood, but I was just mad. But I'm like, Miss Ma'am, like, yeah. come on now, you want to, you want to see him on this specific day? So, and I felt bad because like how selfish of me to mm. jump straight to anger because I want to go out of the country. And because of that, I delayed even starting the grieving process. And when I got back in the country, it was the day before her funeral. So I went to the funeral having had done nothing, no to work whatsoever, wow. walked in and I lost it I, because I was going through all seven stages at one time. Wow. So I think the the most healthy thing is to just go ahead and start, even if it's inconvenient, especially like, for example, with breakups, grieving a breakup. Like it is not healthy for you when you know that it's over to, you know, go and check his Instagram to see if he still has the pictures up. He doesn't, sis. They're uh, gone. They're gone. Oh, he took them down. First of all, you need to report them. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> oh, this one. You need to block him. Even you if your family has to. Ooh, block him immediately. I don't yes. like this. This is toxic. It's, it's, it is. It's toxic. And I think people as human beings, me included, I think sometimes we like... I don't want to say the attention, but sometimes having something to be wrong with you mm. makes you feel better because you can call it something like, oh, I don't want to go outside today. You know, I just got out of a relationship. Mm. Oh, I don't want to go outside today. I don't, I don't I don't really want a brunch. You know, I just got out of just lost my job. And all of these things may hurt, but not starting in the long run. It's going to hurt even more. Mm. Because it's going to be three months later and you still don't have a job. Because yeah. wow. you're still hurt over the job you lost. And broke. Yeah. 
crazy. Now you're homeless. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that process. Now you have plenty of time. Exactly. I don't think that you can be at any stage. I don't think you can be angry for too long or in denial for too long or, you know, anything like that. As long as you start, you know, God is going to take you through the motions. He's going to help you through each process. And on the other side of it is victory. But if you never start, you're never going to see the victory. You're never going to be victorious if you don't start. Shifting the conversation like you mentioned God and we're all. I love the Lord. And we want to cover that, but we always have to shout out our sponsors. I think our sponsors love Jesus too, so we should be good. Yep. <laughs> And thank God for our sponsors, True Waste Cleaning Solution, because nothing gives you peace of mind like a clean house. Tell them a little bit about them. So True Waste Clean Solutions offer commercial and residential clean services so you can clean your office space and your home. They offer pressure washing, carpet cleaning, stripping and waxing, high traffic floors, and they are professional cleaning that you can trust. Now, if you want to see more about what they do, their team um, and products and services they offer, you can follow them on Instagram at True Waste Solutions. That's T-R-U-W-A-S-T-E-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. Or you can call to book at 850-388-9014 or visit us at truewastecleaning.com. That's T R U W A S T E C L E A N I N G.com. So give them a call, follow them on Instagram, and check out their website. Okay. All right. Thank you to our sponsors. Shout out to them. Gotta stay clean. Um, so we want to just jump right back into the discussion. I think you had a question. Yes. So how has your experiences been with either growing up in church or being in church or hearing about church culture and mental health? Well, I grew up in church. I've been in church my entire life. Um, I grew up in a very traditional old school Baptist nice. church. Oh, that's every Sunday. Oh, that's that's very funny. funny. Thank you, Lord, though. God bless you. That's, that's how I grew up. And the foundation of knowing God was very helpful. Whereas the conversation about mental health was absent, mm, didn't yeah. exist. Yep. Mm-hmm. So being an adult and making a decision to join another church, it opened up the idea of faith and mental health for me once I was in college. So it was very shocking. I grew up in church, but I did not know that there was anything that had to do with my thoughts in Jesus. I didn't think, yeah. you know, Jesus saves me. I do the right thing. Don't have sex before marriage. And we good. That's, <laughs> that, that's as far as my thoughts went. Um, and I think it was so heavily influenced by the thing that a lot of, you know, specifically African-American kids here. What happens in this house mm. stays in this house, yep. which mm-hmm. is usually coupled with. And as for me and my house, <laughs> we will serve the Lord. Lord. So there was no, that was pretty much the end in the beginning. And there was no in between. So once I, you know, joined a church where there was a conversation about mental health, I struggled with it. I did because I felt like if I was depressed, I'm ungrateful to God. Or if I am questioning my life or if I feel, you know, anxious about something, God can't help me in that place, which Mm -hmm. is so untrue. Um, But it took studying scripture to learn that. Like you can go to church all you want. You can go to church every Wednesday and every Sunday. But if you don't read the Bible for yourself, mm-hmm. 
it's you're not. It's not gonna. You won't get the full benefit of a relationship with Christ if your relationship with Christ is only on Sunday and Wednesday. So as far as church culture goes, if you are in a church that does not promote conversations about mental health, you know, I'm not telling you to leave your church. They're probably amazing people, but maybe, you know, co-join another church, (laughs) find resources basically is what I'm saying that encourage studying, learning, having knowledge, because one, one common misconception that, you know, if you don't learn anything from anything I've said on this whole blog. Everyone has mental health, just like everyone has physical health. But just because someone has cancer doesn't mean everyone has cancer. Mental illness and mental health are two totally different things. So you can cater to your mental health in a faith-based way that doesn't imply that you have a mental illness. And I think that that is a major stigma associated with mental health and faith. Because you're talking about mental health in church, oh, she must be depressed. Like, no, I'm trying to make sure I don't get there. Um, so that's, that's been my experience, you know, shameless plug. I don't know if I can shout out my church. Can I shout out my church? It's been, it's been an amazing experience because the door is open for authentic conversation about real life situations. And I am eternally grateful for a community of people that encourage me to have my own relationship with God, because mm-hmm. that is, that is what has saved me from yeah depression that that is what keeps me from feeling like oh I wish it would have worked when I was 16 years old and I attempted to kill myself that is you know that is what grounds me is my relationship with God which got stronger because of the kind of church that I am I think what's beautiful too is that like we're part of such a new generation where you can have Jesus and therapy. Oh, absolutely. Please do. The previous, you need them both. <laughs> the previous discussions or the previous generations, like it was just always like, no, that's not a thing. It's yeah. spirits. You just got to pray it out. You just got demons. Yeah. Pray it out. Yeah. But sometimes you're depressed. You're a little yeah. depressed. Just and a it's little. A, <laughs> what I think people don't understand is depression, it, it has a biological component. You are having either too much dopamine or not enough serotonin, which are neurotransmitters in your brain being released. So it's literally your brain making you feel this way. Yeah. So for every biological problem, there is a biological solution, which I don't think some people, and I don't want to, you know, make all seasoned people sound bad, (laughs) but a lot of seasoned people are just like, well, just pray about it. And yes, pray about it. And also pray about which therapist to go to. Yes. Use the sermon. Wisdom. Um, I was I was trying to look it up. That's why I was looking crazy for this for these past couple of seconds. There is a uh, gentleman by the name of Stephen Furnick. 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 Yep. Um, and his church did like a mental health like series thing. Yep. And he oh, bought wow. in a mil- mental health expert. Top tier. If you That's want so to good. look it up on YouTube, um, Detoxins. It's a. It's actually. It's not a sermon. It's him sitting it's down. A conversation. Oh, a mental health okay. expert, and they're talking about certain things. Um, one of them is detox your mind. An interview with Dr. Caroline Lee, and um, I remembered that video 
um, because when I really started looking into this stuff a while back ago, mm -hmm. she talked about how she correlated how scripture, you talked about it mm -hmm. a couple of seconds ago, how scripture and what we have to do for our mental health can go together. It's just people don't associate those two yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and we talked about, um, this, she talked about the scripture where it says, cast down, uh, casting down imagination, imagination and anything one. that exalts its thought, any thought that exalts itself so higher the, the knowledge of God. Of God. Mm -hmm. um, and so, she talked about how in the church they'll say, if you have a thought or if you're struggling with something, then you just need to say, oh, it's going to go away magically. No, it's not. And you have to cast it down. You literally have to, yeah. And take those steps. Um, She was saying, you have to figure out why are you thinking this? What is programming you to think this way? What scriptures can I, what does God say about me that disagrees with the negative thought that is causing me to go towards the negative? Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is, I, and I really encourage you to watch the video um, if you uh, have time to find it. But the thing is, people don't, sometimes in the church, um, in that older generation, they didn't talk about the steps. They just yeah. went, oh, make it go away. Yeah. And those steps is what help you, like you were saying, to stay free or to be free to not get into those, those exactly. states. Yeah. Um, and it's very important that people have discussions like this. People have yeah. discussions at home. Um, do certain interviews like that with people who say, yeah, there's not a separation of the two. God invented these things to help us exactly. because he knows yeah. who we are. And I think that is like a major missing piece to the conversation because... You cannot disassociate mental health and the church because God is literally the person that created us all. So if he created you, he created your mind. Mm -hmm. And in the creation of your mind, he is not the kind of God that would send you down here without a handbook. Yeah. And this handbook is the Bible. And in the Bible, there are references to people, scenarios, situations. There, There's a part in the Bible where someone is literally crying out, like, if you could just... <laughs> Let this cup pass for me, <laughs> you know. And Come on, Jesus. we have literally, <laughs> we have literally. Well, I won't even say we. I I have said to God on multiple occasions, God, you know what? I'll do everything else, but this one, this this I cannot handle. Mm -hmm. I'll go to school. I'll change my major. You know, I'll stop doing this. I'll stop hanging out with these people. But you want me to, you know, sever my entire relationship? You want me to break up with this guy that I've been with since high school? what? Mm. Let this no. cup pass. Everything else, I got you. And more often than not, God is like, I'm not really interested in any of that. Do this. Yeah. You want that thing. You don't want to give up. Exactly. I think it's also um, important to just think of it as like a tool, just as the Bible is a tool. God has given us therapists and resources to combat anything that we may go through. But for people whose churches don't like talk about mental health like what's a good way to help them start the conversation at their church, church if they don't want to leave the church okay if you don't want to leave the church but you want the conversation to start at the church you know you kind of need a you kind of need to read the room so you need to <laughs> I love that phrase. read you the know, room read you the do. room please go ahead you need to if you're if you have the kind of leadership that is accessible because in the way I was raised leadership was not accessible you don't talk to the pastor you for sure don't talk to his wife like Same with me. it was very you know these people seemed untouchable untouchable yeah. so if you if you are in a environment where you can approach these people just ask a question like like I said in the beginning that was my favorite thing as a kid why mm -hmm. pose the question and when you pose the question be ready for them to say okay and what is your what do you want to do with it don't just say I think we should talk about mental health okay how right why 
Because if, if you are going to innovate something, unfortunately, you're going to have to lay the groundwork for it. Yeah. So I would not suggest someone just say, I want you to preach about mental health. That's probably not going to work. But if you want like a mental health ministry or you want to do some kind of like mental health awareness event, like come, you know, come with tangibles gotcha. so that they can, you know, especially if this is something they've never done. You have to introduce a concept to a group of people that may not be receptive to it. So, you know, pray about it, plan something out, present it to them. And if they're not in favor of it, now you have a whole idea that God has given you that you can do on your own or you can take mm-hmm. anywhere or you can find, you know, a group of people or some friends. You don't have to do it under the church's name if you have truly, you know, prayed and sought God and he gave you something. Yeah. There's a platform to do it with. So pray about it first. Don't just go up to your pastor and be like, well, I don't like that you don't preach about <laughs> the brain. <laughs> yes. He's not a neuroscientist. Yes. So you can't, you know, be upset with him for not understanding the full you know, caveats of the brain. So you need to you need to come with tangibles. <laughs> come with tangibles. I love it. Um, one of the things we uh, also talked about, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweak it a little bit. Um, we wanted to talk about mental health in television, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And the reason I asked this question, I'm gonna actually bring it into a category in the African American community. Okay. Um, how do you feel like? the image has changed or if there are positive or negatives when it comes to how mental image of yourself, a black male or a black woman may have been seen. Um, One extreme, like people would talk about is like back in the day, you'd watch a movie like baby boy and you see this, this young man who's not growing up um, Mm -hmm. still, you know, stuck under his mother, not maturing um, in a relationship where he's, it's toxic because he hasn't dealt with certain things. And then you can watch a show now, like uh, This Is Us. That's what I was saying, And too. the main character, Randall, while he does struggle with dealing with his own problems, does everything to try to help people and make mm-hmm. sure people do whatever they need to do. Two very different um, portrayals of men, but not necessarily they're both doing what's healthy for their own mental health. So how do you think social media contributes, I mean, not social, the media contributes to um, that image of, Black people or the black male in or female um, in, mental in, health. in mental health. I think that the media is doing a better job mm-hmm. in portraying the spectrum mm-hmm. of mental health within the African American community. Um, I think they're doing a better better job of calling it mental health. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, Baby Boy. And when Baby Boy came out, and most of the time, if I go and watch Baby Boy today, I'm not looking at it as a meta analysis of you know mm-hmm. the the black man's mental health. But it was it was portrayed as a relatable, normal thing. Mm. This, this is an image of a man that exists in multiple communities, sometimes in multiple families, and it was seen as normal. I think the media is getting to a place where we're starting to recognize that, you know, dealing with trauma, recognizing trauma is necessary work. Mm-hmm. So when you mentioned This Is Us, Randall, he... He recognizes that he has a problem. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Tyrese Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) That was just who he was. And I think think the two, um, when you put them together, it really shows like a timeline of how mental health has evolved and how the conversation has evolved. Because the present day baby boy, because he still exists, he's not just stuck in the film. Mm -hmm. He's not going to call it a mental health problem. That's just where I'm from. That's who I am. That's how my family has always been. 
So I think, you know, if I was a movie producer or if I was going to write a movie portraying, you know, the modern day baby boy, I, I would hope that there would be some kind of dialogue or some kind of monologue that would show the caveats of it that could be, you know, ment- mental illnesses or issues. Like he, he's quick to anger. Mm-hmm. He's quick to violence. <laughs> yeah. um, and why is that? Because it, then it'll start to highlight some of those things that are skeletons in the closet within your family that, you know, happened in that house and stayed in that house. And you'll start to be able to deal with them. So maybe baby boy, for you know, lack of a better name, thinks that hitting women is okay because his daddy hit his mama and his granddaddy hit the little girlfriend that he had on, on the side. And this is just a normal trajectory for his family. He doesn't know it's a problem because mm-hmm. everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think the media is in a place to redefine the narrative of what mental health looks like within the African-American community. I can't say that they're doing an excellent job. You know, quote me on it. Mm-hmm. I don't think Steven Spielberg's going to come for me. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that they are going backwards. Gotcha. I think the conversation is moving forward. And I think the boys don't cry narrative is, you know, finally, finally, finally getting to a place where people are like, oh, well, maybe. Maybe they should cry a little bit. Maybe if they cried a little bit. Um, female mental health, I think, is also in the same position. It's, you know, the crazy black woman. Maybe she's not, maybe she's not crazy. Maybe she's yeah. depressed. Or the strong, independent black woman. Maybe she's not as strong as you think. Yeah. Maybe it's all a facade because she goes home and cries herself to bed every night. So I think there are conversations that are happening in living rooms because of media that is going to be way more impactful than a, you know, TED talk could ever be. Because who gonna sit down and really watch a TED talk other than academics? Not many people. But people watch TV all day long. People sit in living rooms with their families and it triggers things. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, there's at least one person sitting in that living room to say, you know, well, maybe. And then that well maybe turned into a whole conversation and you you never know what kind of healing can come from knowing your family history. Wow. I think um, there was a gentleman who was preaching once and he had shared how he had been abused in his family. And they were sitting around having a family discussion. And he opened up about what he had dealt with. And literally what he had experienced, someone else in the room had experienced mm-hmm. with the same person. And then like two other people said, I experienced something similar with that person. And that person was like, I experienced it with this other. Exactly. And it was all stemming from one person saying something. And a lot of times um, we get nervous about starting the conversation, but we forget that there's so much breakthrough that can happen when you do that, Um, especially in a family dynamic. Um, Because what I'm learning is, you know, we're all individuals. We're all our own persons. We have different traits. We've seen different things. But something has contributed to who we are now. Like what we perceive as normal, um, whatever our habits are, how we respond to situations. Even if we saw something negative or positive, it's either caused us to embrace the negative or to reject it and mm-hmm. perform our own. And if we don't take the time to really address that, uh, it can pop up in our futures. Mm-hmm. So what do you say or how uh, how do you feel like someone can really address what they've seen in their childhood? For mm-hmm. example, um, my parents are divorced and because my parents are divorced and they would, you know, be open and honest about what they dealt with, it would make me go, oh, well, I know what not to do. Right. Blah, 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 blah. But also I had the mindset of, well, if we're married, ain't no end. Like mm-hmm. I used to be the, well, I'll just murder you. 
And wow, while a part, I'd rather be a widower than a divorcee. That was my whole thing. Is that still the same? I, now it has changed, okay. and it took a long time. <laughs> but it took me sitting down having a conversation with um, a, a mentor of mine um, back home in New York, who was like, "If you marry somebody and they want to leave, like that is a choice they have a right to have, um, and it's really like you have to." you know, take that chance or have the faith in the person that they would want to stay, but you can't make somebody stay there. Um, you can't, you can't say like, Oh, there's no out unless that's something y'all agreed upon. Right. Um, and it, it took a very long time to change my outlook. It would just say, well, since it's permanent, you're here, you're here. So what kind of, what kind of ways can you evaluate your life to be like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Is what I'm thinking? Okay. Or not. Okay. Right. Um, well, in my experience, and you know, just for the sake of transparency, I'll, I will get into my business just a little bit. Um, and this is something I've, I've said before, if anyone listening has ever heard me speak. When I was 16, I got pregnant in high school. And that was a shock to me. This is a concept that is, you know, way far out of my wheelhouse, especially if you've ever met my mother. That's just <laughs> something we don't do. Um, so my self-esteem went from, you know, I'm the baddest thing walking to, oh my goodness, why is my life even valuable? And it took that happening for me to learn so much about my mom, my grandmother, my aunts, my older sisters, because this light was shined on such a dark place. And people, like you said, people started saying things or like, well, this happened to me and that happened to me. And I started to notice you know, tendencies that I was predisposed to just because of who my family was. Mm. So to them, it wasn't shocking that I got pregnant in high school to me because I didn't know I had never had this conversation with any of the women in my family that got pregnant at a young age. Mm. They weren't shocked. I'm sitting over here looking like, I can't believe this happened to me. And they're all like, well, you know, sweetie, things tend to happen. Now, obviously, I do not have a child at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, It was decided for me that I would have an abortion. Mm -hmm. That was a whole nother situation. The minute that happened, the the floodgates opened. Well, you know, I had an abortion when I was 17. I had an abortion when I was 22. I had Mm -hmm. an adult. Like, well, maybe y'all should have put this stuff on the front end. One conversation, please. Right. If we could have had this kind of conversation on the front end of me deciding to, you know, embark on this journey, maybe, maybe some things could have been avoided. And, you know, just again, for the sake of transparency, and I won't get too much into this story because it is going to come out on the blog, which we'll talk about later, (laughs) but you know, shameless plug, I do have a blog, but I was sexually abused as a child, like from the age of six to about eight, Mm -hmm. sexually abused by on three different occasions or rather multiple occasions, but three different people in my family. None of that came to my knowledge until I was 21 years old. I told my oldest sister, and the minute I told her, it just looked like she had seen a ghost. And I was like, what the heck? Like, what, you know, I'm trying to, I need you to be here. I'm trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know that, you know, I was was sexually abused when I was in high school. And I said, well, did you ever tell mom? Like, you know, (laughs) did you? And she was like, no, I never told anybody. So I told my mother. And the flood, again, the floodgates began to open. So I think in my experience, like I said, you know, light, light does amazing things. You have to say something. You have to be the one to open up the door for conversation. If it doesn't exist in your family or in your friendships or even in your own, like if you're in a romantic relationship and you haven't talked about your mental health or 
your partner's mental health, you should probably talk about it because you you have no idea what kind of scars exist below the surface. Mm. And sometimes those scars manifest themselves in attitudes and personality traits. And you just don't understand why he gets angry every time you ask him to do something. You have no idea why he doesn't want to do it. So I think conversations about mental health, especially in today's time, are so, 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 so important. So important. Okay. Um, And I I really want to highlight you had said, uh, shine light on it, talk to somebody. And I always encourage people, like, open up to someone. It wasn't until... I was in college and I had lost my virginity and I opened up to my mom and she talked to me about some things that she had went through. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm in college. It's too late now. Right. Maybe if you told me a little earlier, we wouldn't be having this combo. Um, But I thank God that she was willing to be honest about things afterwards. But leading up to that period, I had mentors. I had people in my church that I could speak to. And I had, I, I stress this, people who are older, not just older, live longer, but older and wiser yeah. who could say, this is what I went through. There was someone who said to me, you know, someone's going to say to you, can I just put the head in? Mm. And that's why I'm not pregnant right now mm. because God so will let you know. Yeah. This like, is what's going to happen. Put these conversations on the front end yes. about, you know, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, self-harm. Mm-hmm. But people don't talk about it because there's a stigma. There's a stigma around mental health and I will never understand why, but the only way that the stigma gets broken down is if people talk about it. Listen, if you dealt with it and you're coming out now, that means you're showing that you can overcome it. Exactly. That you can live to see another day and somebody else may need to hear it. Exactly. Um, we want to get into the, uh, I think you have one more before we go. Did you have another question you wanted to hit before we left? Um, the one stigma about mental health. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to do one more question. Um, and then I'm going to give you guys a chance to learn some more about Catherine and what she has going on with her blog and um, ways you can follow her and get more information about what she's doing. Okay, so what's one stigma or stereotype about mental health that you wish you could tear down? Um, one? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just stare down the whole thing, you know? <laughs> uh, one thing, I think the, I would remove the word crazy mm-hmm. from the vocabulary of every language that exists because, yeah. because it discourages people who feel any kind of way that seems abnormal, that there's something totally wrong with you. And that is not the case. So I would, I would take the, the word crazy out and replace it with, someone is struggling in a specific area or you are not feeling yourself, but crazy makes you not want to tell anybody because who wants to go to somebody else and say, I'm feeling crazy. Like no one wants to say that. So mm-hmm. it, it makes it hard for people who have not like, to be honest with you, the only way that the only reason rather that I'm able to talk about things in the way that I do without breaking down is because I've just been dealing with it for so long. I've just been exposed to it for so long. It's not that it's easy. It's just I'm used to it. Mm -hmm. So for the person that is not used to it, I would hate for someone to deal with it for as long as I have and not seek help because they don't want people to call them crazy. Like you're not, you're not crazy. You are not crazy. You are not alone. Other people have felt this way before. And like, it's, it's the main thing in, in my blog, the, the whole point of it is for people to understand that there is a way in and there is a way out of every tunnel. So if you got in there, 
there's a way to get out of it. Now, whether that's turning around and going out the side you came in or traveling through the whole thing, you can get out of it. But the word crazy makes people feel like they have to stay there and like set up shop. So that would be the first thing rather that I tear down, not the only thing. <laughs> Just number one. That's that's where I'd start. Um, and before we get the information about uh, your blog, we want to ask you, what is one thing you want our listeners, their audience Anybody who's going to come across the show, what is one thing you want them to take with them? If they forget everything else, this is the main thing I want you to hold on to. Um, uh, The one thing. Okay. Can I say two? All right. The first thing. Everyone has mental health. Everyone has mental health. And it's everyone's responsibility to maintain their mental health, just like you do your physical health. So just because you are feeling depressed or you're feeling anxious or you're feeling fearful, that does not mean that you have a mental illness and it does not mean that you are just out for the count and you just can't expect to ever be happy again. That's not true. Um, the second thing that I hope you take away from this is God understands Jesus literally experienced everything that a human could experience while he was on earth. So there is nothing that is foreign to him. So you're doing yourself an injustice not being honest in prayer, not revealing how you honestly feel. If you're angry, tell God you're angry. Yeah. If you are not satisfied with the way that your life is looking right now, say that. Don't try to go into your prayer time and being fake. Mm -hmm. That's a waste of your time. It doesn't waste God's time. He loves to speak with you, but the least you can do is be honest. And if you don't know where to start in your prayer, I would say, you know, ask God to restore the foundational design of who you are before, you know, whatever trauma, whether you were raped, abused, cussed out, whatever happened to you, ask God to restore who he designed you to be. Ask God, will you restore the foundational desires and design of my heart? That would be the most important thing I would say. Wonderful. Take away. Wonderful. It's been like, a really great episode, yeah. even better I than we it. could have expected. I love honestly. it. Oh, yeah. Um, we want to definitely give everyone an opportunity to know about some of the things you have going on. So please share with our audience how can they learn more about you? How can they follow you? What can they do? Okay, you can follow me on Instagram at at Catherine Ann is C A T H E R I N E A N N E E E. So that's Catherine Ann with three E's. And then there's an underscore on the end. But by the time you get to the E's, it'll just pop up. Um, I also have a website. That is where my blog is. I am the mental health blogger. That is what I'm calling myself. Um, and I coined that phrase because there are a lot of blogs from mental health professionals. But, you know, I'm blogging from the perspective of the one who was getting the therapy. Um, so that is www.catherineann, only one E on that one, dot org. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm not active on Twitter. So uh, it's Catherine Ann with three E's on there too, but Instagram and my website is the best way to get in contact with me. Yay. So that wraps up this yep. episode of The Glow Up. Um, we want to just encourage you, hold on to everything that you've seen today. Um, take notes, go watch videos, um, start that conversation at home. It doesn't have to just end with you watching this. Like you can help somebody else too. Um, and we hope you guys have a great day. Stay safe out there. Stay blessed. Wash your hands. Amen. Yep. See you guys. <laughs> bro. See you guys next time. Bye.